0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, Welcome, welcome, welcome uh, to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and uh, I am doing an audio check right now, and I would like to know, uh, first of all, as you shout out your city that you're from, I would also like to know if you guys can hear me okay, if you can give me a yes in the chat, if you can hear me. Uh, Let me know that I'm coming through. All right. Uh, I just I'm I'm super excited to be here today. Uh, We just got back from Dallas. Uh, Dallas was awesome. totally sold out, totally sold out. And uh, we did a black wealth summit and a training camp. So we did two straight days of nothing but black wealth. Uh, Black wealth is important. Money is really important. Uh, One of my brothers, a tall guy, Tycoon, uh, mentioned this and I wanted to elaborate on this. Uh, money is um, one of the leading causes of things like suicide. Money is one of the leading causes of, of depression. Money is one of the leading causes of divorce. Uh, money is one of the leading causes of family fights. So uh, one of the reasons why I think that if you want to be happy, uh, you should master money is because if you master money, then you have at least one less thing to worry about, one less thing to fight about. One less thing to be depressed about. Give me a yes in the chat if you agree. Uh, let me know if that even makes sense to you. And, uh, and you guys can hear me OK. Uh, I just want to make sure. Am I coming through all right? All right. What's going on? Uh, Robert James Higgins and Gregory Bowers. Good morning. Clifford Tisdale. Uh, Hisham Allah. Uh, Eric Mahmood. OK, he says, can hear you fine, brother. Peace. Thank you very much, uh, Eric. I appreciate that. All right. And uh, let me know what city you're from. Uh, Some of y'all from Dallas. Uh, We just, you know, we had a great time in Dallas. Um, Tim Jackson joined me out there and that was awesome. And uh, we just had a good weekend. So anyway, uh, let me do something. I do something every now and then for fun. I call it Dr. Boyce Exposed. Uh, And I like to do that just because there are people that uh, sometimes things happen and people are like, "I'm going to expose him. He really works for the Jews and he's getting money from the Jews, and which is just weird." Uh, and or or he's really a white supremacist. And I'm like, oh, "Lord, here we go again." So so I said, "You know what? Instead of other people claiming to expose me, I'm going to just expose myself." Like that probably sounds weird, I know, but yeah, I said, "You know, let me just let me just lay some stuff out and just be." Transparent about some stuff, so we can kind of know what's really going on and what's what. Uh, and here's the thing: I'm never, I've never ever once really asked you to believe in me. I'm not asking you to believe in me. Uh, I, I, I don't. I'm not your demagogue. I'm not the King Kong consciousness. I'm not the guy who is trying to be the next black leader. I, I ain't trying to be none of that. You know what I am? I'm a college professor who was on the faculty of Syracuse University for 13 years. Who knows finance at a very high level, Uh, and uh, I was the only the only black person on the planet to get a PhD in finance during the year 2002. The only black person on the planet that I know of, male or female, there's nobody that year that I have met to this point who got a PhD in finance that year. And I'm a person who simply said, if black people knew what I know about economics, a lot of our problems would go away. Give me a yes if you agree that one of the biggest problems black people have is economics. Give me a yes if you agree that one of the biggest stressors that we have as Black people is economics. Give me a yes if you agree that uh, if Black people understood money, we would probably have more money. Give me a yes if you agree that one of the quickest ways the white man puts his foot on your neck every damn day of your life is because he controls the money and you don't. Give me a yes. That's all I'm asking you to do. I'm not asking you to believe in me. I don't. I give it. I don't care. I'm not here to be. Uh, you know, I'm not Don Juan, Mr. Smooth. I'm just a guy who has a message, and I believe this message was sent by God. You know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a religious guy, but I do believe. Uh, in, you know, that there is divine intervention in terms of what we do. Uh, but I'd rather put a guy like Dr. Claude Anderson out there first. I'd rather put you know a Malcolm X out there first. I think that uh, those are your leaders, etc. I'm. I, I'm just one of your teachers, one of your advisors. So one of the things I want you to understand is that you know rather than getting caught up in the charisma of any particular so-called black leader uh, which has gotten us into a lot of trouble in a lot of cases, uh, I would encourage you to get caught in get caught in the message. It's the message, man, the message. So, so I'm gonna ask you to, to agree with me or to like me. I, I need to know do you like the message? Do you agree with the message that if we get our money right, if we understand economics at a very high level, our people will be better off in the end, okay? And that's really what it is, because many of the problems Black people have really are traced back to economics. But then to go deeper than that, you know, as a financial doctor, it's kind of like it's like when a doctor sees a symptom, he goes deeper <clears throat> to find out, well, what's the underlying cause of this symptom, right? Like if I if you're coughing and I stop you from coughing, yeah, I can control your symptoms, but that doesn't mean I've actually cured you. Like, oh, well, you're coughing because you have pneumonia. Uh, but then may, it may be deeper than that. Well, you have pneumonia because you really got cancer, and your your immune system's weak, right? So ultimately, for Black people, what you got to understand is that is that you 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 feel stressed out. Many of us feel enslaved. Well, why? Well, because we don't necessarily have money. Well, why don't we have money? Well, because maybe we don't have financial knowledge and education that allows us to accumulate money. Well, why don't we have the financial knowledge and the education? I mean, the education's out there. It's it's available almost everywhere. Oh, if you go deeper, pay attention now. It's maybe because you don't have the culture that facilitates the necessity to accumulate financial knowledge and information, which will therefore allow you to elevate your economic condition. Give me a yes if you understand what I'm saying. You know, you gotta understand. So, so when I wrote this book, I wrote this book. I've been, I've told, told you guys about it. And uh, where I'm going to really expose myself is I'm going to read the reviews of the book right off of Amazon so you guys will know exactly what people are saying. I will read all of them. Uh, not all, everyone. There's 111 reviews. Uh, I did not, you know, I did not get my friends to write fake reviews. Um, uh, and I, I, I'm i just going to read it. I'm going to respond, especially if anybody has a criticism or something like that. But it's called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. 90 uh, percent of the reviews on this book were five star. Uh, there's a five-star system. Go look at it now. You can look at it right now on Amazon. I cannot control Amazon reviews. 90% of reviews are five-star. The rest are four-star, and there was one review out of 111 that was one-star. I have no idea who this person is or what why they felt that way, but you know, nothing's going to be perfect. So uh, this book, the reason I wrote this book, and I spent two days in Dallas training on the implementation of The models in this book, these are economic models that I developed specifically for black people. I'm not thinking about Asian people. I ain't thinking about Jewish people. I ain't thinking about white people. I'm focused specifically on black people because that is what we need. Black people have had a unique experience in this country. And because we've had a unique experience, I believe we need a unique experience diagnosis in a unique type of medicine, right? So ultimately this book, all these models that you find, for example, the poise model to teach children about wealth, uh, producer, owner, investor, saver, entrepreneur, that all comes, that's, you're not going to find that in any textbook anywhere. Uh, the three C's of building an economy in Dallas, that's one thing we did was we did a group exercise where people built an economy within their own group. Uh, that's something you'll never see in any other textbook because this was something we created specifically for black people. Why? Well, because black people need alternative economies. Black people need alternative institutions black people need alternative methods for giving the things that we need we we that we need for you know to sustain ourselves and the other thing too is that the family when you lost your family you lost a lot of your wealth because a lot of wealth is connected to family so even little things like having the culture that sustains families is critical to building wealth so if you keep on fighting with your cousin them you know, If you keep on not getting along with your siblings, if you keep married, keep having babies with dudes that that don't give a damn about kids, uh, if you keep on laying down with women just because, you know, because she's cute and got a nice booty and you ain't thinking about what kind of legacy she's building, then you're probably going to find yourself struggling with your economics. Also, Uh, if you're paying child support on eight different kids, it's very, very hard to get ahead financially. You know, I know that it seems like the rappers are doing it, but I know a lot of the rappers. I know a lot of famous rappers and they're not doing okay either. Uh, Kim Kardashian, in fact, let me give an example of a scenario with a rapper. Uh, Kim Kardashian uh, was just talking about how she cries herself to sleep at night because she's trying to figure out how to raise four kids by herself. Well, as you know, Kim was famously married to a guy that I know pretty well or that i talked to on the phone for literally 10 straight hours named Kanye West. And uh, when you look at Kanye and Kim, on the surface, they look like two people who have it all. They've got fame and fortune, private jets, lots of money. But you look at what's also happened in terms of Kim crying herself to sleep at night because she's trying to raise these four kids and Kanye over on Twitter, Instagram, and whoever will listen, screaming and hollering about how disrespected he is as a father. And these are the kinds of things I want you to understand and study. Uh, as they play out, to kind of realize that sometimes the things that you think represent success really isn't success. Uh, I, I, you know, they may have a lot of money, but they don't have their peace. Uh, they they may uh, feel powerful in certain spaces, but they feel powerless in other spaces. And so, ultimately, what I want you to do is think about the whole picture. In terms of what your legacy needs to look like, uh, because if you don't, then you're going to end up making a lot of mistakes. So, let me read some of this. I'm, I'm actually going to pull up some of these reviews on Amazon, and uh, in fact, maybe I'll even screen share so you can kind of see what I'm looking at here. Uh, and 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 so, so this is I don't know, this is just something fun I, I, I wanted to do today, uh, because I, I think it's I don't know, it's kind of worth doing because I think it's worth exploring. Uh, you know, the response to some of the critiques that may come up, which are valid. Uh, The first one is from a guy named JG. It says, I've read Dr. Claude Anderson's Powernomics, and I've been wanting to write a book That offers hope to black people about building wealth and community economics. Dr. Boyce Watkins is a student of Dr. Anderson's, and he's basically said what I've been wanting to say. The book is straightforward and it's especially great for parents of young children. My child is on her way to college, but I will be getting a copy of this book for her. As a matter of fact, I will buy several copies as gifts to friends. Dr. Watkins focuses on teaching the next generation to build wealth through ownership of stocks, business and capital. If you follow his podcast, then this book will will read as if he is talking directly to you. I'm excited to work with my wife. On the next steps of creating a business that will help our family in the future. This book will not only give you that information, but it will position your mind on why you should create a business for future generations. Now, one of the things that's interesting that steps out here about this particular comment is you're talking about a person who's actually implementing uh, these ideas, right? The thing about it is that uh, there's a lot of fast talking Negroes out here. There's a lot of people out here that can give you a great speech. Uh, There are a lot of people that uh, can make you feel good. And all that's important. Great speeches are important. Uh, Feeling good is important. But execution is even more important than that. And what I really want you to understand, especially anybody that's the head of a household, mothers, fathers, everything in between, or even a participant in a household, is that you absolutely positively must execute. Mediocre execution is better than some extraordinary idea that never gets off the ground. I've heard people say things that, that don't make sense to me. I've heard people say things like, well, you know, I should sue Mark Zuckerberg because I came up with the idea of Facebook before he did. Yeah, that's great, but that doesn't mean shit. Excuse my French, that doesn't mean anything. You, you, well, you came up with the idea. Well, anybody can come up with an idea. I can come up with an idea in 30 seconds. But But, it, but coming up with the idea is not the same as executing and doing literally 10 million little tasks required to, to complete the idea and see it to fruition. I, I compare it to the difference between uh, making a baby and raising a baby to the age of 18. Making a baby, um, the average man, I think, takes about, what, seven minutes to finish doing the job of making a baby, if you know what I'm talking about. A man can make 10,000 babies in his lifetime if he was, if that's all he was doing. And some that's what some some guys out here doing. They just they just jumping from one, one lady to the next and they making a whole lot of babies. So making a baby is easy. But do you know how, how much time it takes to actually raise a child to the age of 18? I don't know. Let's see, there's 8,760 hours in a year multiplied by 18. It takes 157,680 hours to raise a child to the age of 18. 157,680 hours that it takes of changing diapers, feeding the child, taking the child to school, having conversations with the child, taking the child to the doctor, dealing with child's BS, talking to the teachers, all these things that a parent must do. But it takes about six to eight minutes if you're in a hurry to make the child. So what's interesting is that there are some people out here who falsely believe that You are a parent just because you made a baby. Making a baby does not make you into a parent. Having a baby or creating a baby is not the same as investing the 157,680 hours required to raise that baby to the age of 18. So the same thing is true with a business idea. Coming up with an idea like that, that's easy. Anybody can do it. But coming up with an idea does not make you a business owner. Coming up with an idea does not make you an entrepreneur. Coming up with an idea does not mean, give me a yes if you understand what I'm saying. Coming up with the idea for a business is not the same as putting the thousands and thousands of hours of work required into developing that idea from ideation to completion. Those are two different tasks. In fact, if I had a choice between the types of people I want to work with, I would rather work with a person. Who puts in the time to develop a mediocre idea, than to put time into somebody who just knows how to come up with extraordinary ideas and doesn't do anything after that? The idea doesn't mean a whole lot, you know. And so, uh, one of the things, but but people, but doers understand this. People who complete things understand this. They understand how much work there is required to do this. They, it's one percent inspiration, ninety nine percent perspiration. Uh, and so, uh, effectively, uh, I want you to make sure you never get caught in the in that nonsense of sitting around and coming up with all these ideas and thinking that you've actually done something you haven't done anything. You know, you've just kind of decided what you think you might want to do. But then there are people who actually get up there and do it and that's a whole different level. And even when I invest, when I when I invest in businesses, I don't really people come to me with billion dollar ideas all the time. Every city I go to, doc, I got a billion dollar idea. It's going to save the whole black community. I, well, that's great. I appreciate that. I hope that it does make a billion dollars. But the problem is that I'm not going to invest in your idea just because it's a great idea. You know what I invest in? I invest in businesses that are developed and are actually making money. When you when you've developed that business and you put in thousands of hours to get that sucker going and that thing is actually generating revenue, that's a whole different animal. You're in a whole different category. You, you thinned out the herd at that point. It, you, you're, you're literally 1,000 to 1 at that point. And you've proven you have what they call proof of concept. So so when I invest, investing in an idea is like investing in a sperm, hoping that the sperm is one of 10 million sperms that actually gets to fertilize the egg. I don't I'm not going to invest in that. What I will invest in, though, is a newborn baby because I know that they've already made the cut. Right. So, what you do is you invest in things. I, I don't, I, I'm, t- I'm telling you, people lose so much money investing in somebody's idea. Oh, that's a great idea. Do you know that they can even execute the idea? Do you even know that they have the experience? Do you know that they're even going to put in the work ethic? Do they have the values required to stick with it? A lot of people ain't even got that. Right. Because we live in a wimpy society, we live in a wimpy world. Everybody's a victim. Everybody's feeling sorry for themselves. Everybody wants to blame everybody else. Oh, the white man did this and my. W- I get all that, right? Those things exist. I've never made any illusion of the idea that white people love me. I know they don't love me, but I love myself and that's all I need. That's all I care about. Some of y'all, some of people on on social media don't love me. A lot of them don't. I don't care. I love love me. I got enough love for me to make up for any lack of love that you may or may not choose to provide. It's okay. Love yourself. Stop running, running around wondering whether white people like you or not. They don't. I, I, I let me just break it to you. They probably don't, but does that make them evil? I don't know. Sometimes they are, but some of them just—they're just doing. They're handling their business. Are you handling your business? That's the question to ask. Hit, do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Share. Subscribe. Uh My website is boyswalkins.com. By the way, and uh, I have a list of stocks there. If you want to go pick it up, it's a list of AI stocks that I'm invested in companies that are going to make money with the AI revolution. So feel free to go take a look at that. Also the all black national convention is going to be October 20th at the Marriott Marquis hotel in Atlanta. So if you'd like to join us for the convention, or maybe you'd like to be a vendor sponsor or speaker, uh, feel free to, uh, just go to, you can go to my, just start on my website, voicewalkings.com. I got a lot of links there for that too. All right. So here we go. So next review I'm reading, uh, let's see. Someone says, um, I don't see a name. It says, uh, this book was very positive and uplifting. It was a motivational piece that should be read by all in the B1 community. Okay, thank you. Uh, Another one, next, Derek Stokes says, I like the book for its gray and and, and impractical ideals of a family sticking together to make financial gains. Uh, Let's see, uh, Chef Julian says, uh, must read Economic and Self-Development. Let's see, uh, Ivy Yancey says, I've always been a Dr. Boyce follower. This book is another masterpiece. Thank you, uh, Miss Cephas. I live this book. Me and my husband have a blended family. I love stories like this. Nine children, all over eighteen. We plan on having a meeting and starting on our wealth building plan uh, for our family. We are so behind, but I believe this book is one as one of our guides. We can make it. I like that. I love that because one what they that this family seems to understand is that you don't understand that every black person is born wealthy. Every single black person, if you got a family, you're already a millionaire. If you have a family, that means it could be you and your spouse and your children, or it could be the family that you're born into. But literally every black person is born wealthy. Let me explain this. I did a more detailed analysis of this when I was in Dallas, but I'll give you the overview on this. Basically, if you think about it, right, why is it that the white man could sell you and your relatives for so much money back during slavery? Why was it that, that that slave masters paid so much money to own black people and black bodies during slavery were slaves free what do y'all think give me a yes or no were, were slaves free cheap or were they was it expensive did 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 if you owned a lot of slaves were you considered to be wealthy yeah you were right well why is that well because your labor has value and the reason you may not see your own worth or your own value is because you're used to giving your value away free or cheap, almost like a, a young girl with low self-esteem. She doesn't realize the value of her womb. So she just gives it away for free, hoping that maybe some guy will buy her a bag of Doritos or something, right? Because she doesn't know the value. She doesn't know her worth. So, so you sell yourself to the corporate plantation without thinking about how much wealth is being generated from your labor, from your intelligence, just from your existence, your youth, your time, all these things have value. So I want to ask you this question. I need you to process this for a minute. I don't know why more people don't say this, but maybe it took me time to understand this. If they're buying your labor and they're hiring you in droves, and they're making billions of dollars from your labor, why is that Labor and free time and skill only valuable when it's in his hands, but it, but you don't see the value when it's in your hands, right? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, if you are a black person who is unemployed or a black person who is who just ain't working for nobody yet, why in the world who convinced you that you have no value unless somebody has has extracted your value by giving you a job or having you come work to build some institution that's going to build their legacy for their family and for their community. I need y'all to understand this. You don't know your worth. So when I say that every Black person is born a millionaire or every Black person is born wealthy, I can show you, I'm a mathematician. I taught mathematics at the University of Kentucky. I can mathematically show you, and I did this in Dallas. I did this on the board. I can mathematically show you why based on the present value of an annuity equation used in finance why you were born a millionaire. But here's here's one of your challenges, one of your problems is that that wealth only matters if you actually can see it. If you don't see it then there is no wealth. Also wealth typically only matters if you're able to actually extract it and convert it yourself. That's another Hurdle, we have to jump. What does that mean? Well, let me explain. I went to a country, my wife is a brilliant black woman. Shout out to all the smart black women out here. To hell with all these guys that get threatened by intelligent, educated, high earning black women. I, I'm a fan of all of y'all, you know. Seriously, I, I think these guys that, that, that say that they want women that don't make no money and don't got no education, all that. You, these little, excuse my French, these guys are vagina, they're literally walking vaginas. They, it's, it's the craziest like, saddest stuff I've ever seen. I'm never going to support any of that. Don't get me wrong. I think that we all have to correct ourselves. We all should do better. But I just want to make that 100% clear. If you're one of those dudes that's constantly complaining about women that are just doing the best for themselves, um, I think that that's you just basically saying you don't want to step your game up. You're too afraid, right? Okay, so that's fine. I forgive you for you know not what you do. Maybe you'll come out of that. But anyway, my wife, smart black woman, has a PhD, full professor of social work. Uh, she got invited to do a full a fellowship in um, Guyana. I didn't even know where Guyana was on the map. I wasn't good at geography, but I went with her to Guyana because I was not going to let my woman go to another country without me being there to protect her. So we went to Guyana and, uh, I, and when we were in Guyana, uh, they discovered a bunch of oil off the shore of Guyana. I'm getting back to my point on this. I, I want I just bear with me. Give me like 30 seconds to make it. Well, they had all this oil. And when they valued the amount of oil uh, per capita that Guyana controls, did you know that Guyana has more oil per capita per citizen than Saudi Arabia? How many of y'all knew that? Guyana, I looked it up. I was blown away. They said Saudi Arabia has like, I don't know, let's say 1900 barrels of oil per citizen. Guyana has like, Three thousand nine hundred barrels of oil per citizen. It was something like that. Literally, Guyana had more oil per citizen than Saudi Arabia, right? But if you go to Saudi Arabia, you see this big, beautiful, these beautiful cities and all this modern, industrialized, whatever. You go to Guyana, you're not gonna see none of that. They don't even have hotels next to the airport, right? That's what, how crazy it was, right? So, so you think about it, you're like, why is it that Guyana has all this oil and all this money? But they don't but the, the the you know the standard of living doesn't match that well there's a lot of reasons a lot of politics but also the question becomes if you have all this oil how are you going to get it out the ground if you don't have the machinery or the knowledge the technological know-how to get the oil out of the ground then you know it might as well be you know a, a million dollars hanging from a tree that's a thousand feet in the air and you're only five feet tall Right. So effectively, what then happens is Guyana then has to go and make partnerships, you know, and you know how the white man makes his partnerships. You know, he's a hardcore capitalist. They make these partnerships with companies like Exxon to help them get the oil out of the ground. And Exxon, being the pimps that they are, they show up and they say, you know, sure, we'll help you get the oil out of the ground, but we need to get our cut or the Chinese come along and they say, we'll help you get the oil out of the ground, but we need to we need you to just sign this document that gives us like a 99-year lease on all this property and land so that we eventually own your country. So it becomes kind of a tough situation, right? Well, I, I, I think that Black labor is in that same category. I, black labor, Black intelligence, Black free time, Black education, all these skills that you guys have, it, you, you're stuck in this paradox where You've got all this oil buried in the ground. You've got all these talented people in your community. you got all these great athletes, these great entertainers, all these brilliant people that can become accountants, doctors, and lawyers, and you don't have the infrastructure to extract that wealth. So what do you do if you are a black person with a master's degree or uh, even a PhD and you don't have employment? Well, you just sit at home and you wait for the white man to call you on the phone and offer you a job. Why? Well, because you haven't been introduced to methods that will allow you to extract your own economic value. Do give me a yes if you're following what I'm saying. You haven't. You don't know how to. You know the oil is is under the ground, but you don't know how to drill it out, right? Well, this is one of the reasons why, and this is one of the things I mentioned in this book. Feel free to go grab a copy. It's called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. I believe that every black child should know how to start their own business by the age of 12 even if they don't have the a capital available to fully live out the vision that they may have for you know a billion dollar company they should at least be able to psychologically or on a piece of paper lay out the framework of what that organization would look like in the event that they come across access to the capital that they deserve in the event that somehow white people miraculously all vote to give you reparations Well, I would like to see there be 10 million black youth who know exactly where to put that money, where they're going to flip that money like like crazy. They're going to flip that money like a McDonald's cheeseburger. They're going to know exactly how to pour that money into the proper infrastructure that will scale and allow them to turn that million into 10 million or whatever. Because here's the thing. You have people that have just insane amounts of money, you know, Athletes and stuff, guys like John Morant, who literally don't even know how to what to do with this money. If I had John Morant's money, oh my God, my head would explode. I kid you not. Uh, if you want me to show the book, I'm gonna show the book. Um, if I had John Morant's money, you couldn't tell me nothing. I would literally lose my mind. I would literally, I if 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 I could take just 10% of what John Morant makes. There are so many things that (laughs) could be done with this, right? Well, why? Well, because my my financial mind is developed. I can visualize things, even if we can't necessarily afford to do them right away. You know, and and so so the point is to say that if you don't have economic vision, then it won't matter if somebody puts money in your pocket. You know, it doesn't matter if people put money in your pocket if all you can visualize is running to the damn Gucci store. If that's the only thing you can visualize is yourself in a Lamborghini running out and buying Prada and Tiffany and, and Hennessy and, and, and then buying like a nice outfit to go with it, then, 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 it then you're not, you're not manifesting properly. You're not extracting your wealth in, in the way that's really going to put you in the driver's seat when it comes to this power thing. See, you got to understand this. I need y'all to really pay attention now, you know? This is where, you know, when Kanye and I talked for a long time, I this is where I just said, I, I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't have this animosity toward the Jewish community the way you do. I just don't care about the Jewish community one way or the other. I study them, though, because what you got to understand is there are far more black people in this country than there are Jewish people. Far more. I think about I think we're about five or six times more in population. But they are killing the game when it comes to positioning themselves and positioning their resources to give them maximum reach power and ownership pay attention there's one example that I that I used last week I'm gonna put this on the screen hit the thumbs up button while we do that please hit the thumbs up button right, I'm gonna put this picture on the screen y'all y'all gonna, y'all gonna like this okay because this is a good ex- a good wealth example and while I do that uh, please uh, please um, hit the thumbs up button my website is voicewalkins.com and I have lots of free stuff uh, on that page. Uh, if you want to go take a look and get started on your wealth journey. Also, the Black Business School, I should tell you guys about that. We've actually helped over 10 million people buy their first-year stock, and you can get started for free. Uh, so don't believe any of the idiots who think that it costs money to go to the Black Business School. That's just not true. Uh, we, we, we don't shut the door for anybody. We will accept anyone. All right. So, um, so here is uh, an image I want you to look at here. Give me one second, guys. Uh, hold on, you know what I'm just gonna put it up I'm gonna share it on the screen because this is a this is a good important part of the lesson, so y'all I hope you can forgive me and by the way, anybody listening on Spotify, you're not gonna see this image, but also just in case you don't know um, this podcast is also on Spotify. It's uh just look up Boyce Watkins and you'll find it on Spotify. All right, so uh, I want to ask you all a quick question. Does anybody know these two people that I'm gonna put on my screen? One's white, one is black uh, tell me, type in the chat who these two people are. All right. Um, all right. So as you type the names in the chat, um, I'm going to tell you why this is a good example. And if you're on Instagram in one second, I'm gonna tell you who's on this screen. Um, in, in this image, you see a, one of the most famous, most talented singers in history. Uh, one of the best, you know, most extraordinary black women ever when it comes to singing, Sang like an angel. And uh, with her, you see her manager, who is a, or whatever he was, Uh, uh, his name is Clive Davis. And the Black woman's name is Whitney Houston. And Whitney was one of the best singers on the planet. Uh, And the Black church produces tons and tons of young Black women who can sing like angels. Uh, And Clive Davis went to see Whitney sing. He heard what the rest of us heard. Next thing you know, the rest was history, right? So Clive makes you know a billion dollars from Whitney's talent. Whitney probably, you know, she probably in the course of her career ran through a billion dollars herself. I don't know, maybe half a billion. Anyway, here's what uh, is interesting to me about this picture. So one's black, one's Jewish. Both of these individuals, in my view, reflect uh, various stereotypes, good and bad, of our community. You know, Whitney reflects the stereotype of black people having just so much talent, being the best entertainers on earth. Every black church in this country has got some little black girl in there they that, that should get a record deal or some black man that's that's just as talented as a Chris Brown or whatever right he's Jewish He didn't get next to Whitney Houston by being the best singer in the world. He got in that position by going to Harvard Law School because he wasn't in a culture he wasn't in a family that saw everybody picks their path everybody picks their they roll the dice they pick their best method to become successful. So when he sat with his family and they said, well, what's the best way, you know, for Clive to get ahead and to become a great man one day, they didn't say, well, Clive, we want you to go to church and sing uh, with the choir because, you know, they're, they're paying choir singers a lot of money. No, Clive was told to go to Harvard Law School. Why? Well, because they understand they're, they're looking at the entertainment industry from two different perspectives. Whitney was looking at the entertainment industry from a production perspective. She was thinking, if I can sing really well, then I can get a record deal. That's what Whitney was thinking when she's in church. Clive is going into the recording industry from a distribution and monetization and ownership perspective. He's thinking, not, you know, can I be the best singer in the world? He's thinking, can I simply position myself as an attorney? To become an owner of a record label so that I can go scoop through the black neighborhoods and pick up all the talent. And this is a consistent partnership that has existed a million times over. Uh, all my most of my friends in the music industry, uh, when when I was in Houston, when we did our event in Houston, I hung out with my, my buddy Willie D from the Ghetto Boys. A lot of them have dealt with uh people from the Jewish community who were managers or agents or or record label owners right this is something that is part of the culture right and so and also many of us have seen black people who become entertainers because that's part of our culture so so what i would say to you is that when you're looking at economics in terms of how we go about succeeding uh what our value system tells us to do with our time how we invest the resources that we have we end up sort of putting ourselves sometimes in a box that may sometimes become the wrong box I believe that rather than being mad at the Jews, and I said this to Kanye, I said, rather than being mad at the Jewish community, calling them names because they're winning, right? Whenever you win, just so you know, when you start winning, someone will always call you a name because it's easier to call you a name than to compete with you. It's easier to call you a name than to learn from you and and, and actually reach that same level, right? It's easier for me to talk smack about somebody doing better than me than for me to actually try to do better than them. I've already tried that. That didn't work. So now I'm just going to try to you know, besmirch your reputation or whatever. I don't get into any of that. I look at it as um, maybe as Black people, because here's the thing. I know what the Jewish community knows. I taught Jewish students when I was at Syracuse University. I, I I understand, like, there's nothing, there's no business model they have in place that I haven't been exposed to at some point. And, and, and I'm not the only one. You have a lot of people in your community who understand exactly how they were able to accumulate so much wealth and power. And so what I would Asked you to consider is this look. While we still are going to have our talent, our talent's going to ooze. We're still going to have our Michael Jacksons and Whitney Houstons and everything else. Our our Lebron Jameses and our Shaquille O'Neals. That's just we're just we're just amazing like that. I'm talking to the other 99.9 percent of you that will never breed a Lebron James, that will never breed a Shaquille O'Neal, that will never breed a Whitney Houston. Maybe some of y'all don't even go to church. Well, the rest of y'all the question becomes, how do you get in where you fit in? And getting in where you fitting in might mean that, okay, the amount of energy that our family might normally put into sending our kids to football camp, because think think about this. There are parents that will will spend $1,000 getting their kids through football camp and basketball camp and cheerleading camp that won't spend $10 getting them through an academic program. This is not about access to resources because some of these programs are even free. This is not about not having enough money. This is not about not being able to afford it. This is not about, oh, well, this is just just for rich people. No, no, no. Some of these programs are free. I know people that run free academic programs that still can't get Black people to come through. They'll they'll say, well, look, for white people, we charge them $500, but for the black kids, they get to come for free. I still can't get the mama to send their kids. I still can't get the daddy to send their kids, but we will pay money to send the child to the football camp or to the basketball camp. Some of y'all's kids are not going to, most of y'all's kids are not going to be playing football after you turn, they they turn 18. That's it. Their football career will end when they finish high school. So, so, again, I'm not here to uh, undermine the importance of those camps. I think sports are fun. I love sports. I played every single damn sport I could get my hands on. I would have played baseball if my if my biological father had been around to teach me how to play. He was a pretty good baseball player, but I never learned. So I, ne- I didn't play stuff I didn't know how to play. But I played them all. Sports are great. Sports are a great way to learn about life, competition, goal setting, delayed gratification, all that stuff, competition, all that but there's a world that's so great beyond sports and beyond entertainment that I think we miss out on because we focus too much on the same damn thing every time. Again, let's go back to black people in the Jewish community. The Jewish community is about two and a half percent of the American population, but they own a lot of shit. They own a lot of banks They own a lot of entertainment companies. They own entire distribution systems for for blockbuster movies. They own entire city blocks where they won't even let you buy on that block because you're not one of them. I'm not mad at none of that. And part of the reason that they own so much stuff is not just because maybe they get certain privileges now. I have no idea. But it's also because that's where they focus. That's where they put their energy. When their kids are saying, hey, daddy, how do I become successful? They, they, I don't think there are a lot of conversations that say like, well, if you keep on going to football practice, maybe you can make it to the league. Like that's, that's not a. I don't think that's a common conversation in a lot of their families. And so I just think that as black people, we really have to take our talent and our competitive spirit and just apply it somewhere else. We have to diversify uh, and maybe to some extent divest in certain things. Because believe me, we're we're very good. We've made Jerry Jones at least a couple billion dollars. Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, black people make him at least a couple billion dollars every every year or two. We've done that. But but what happens is that you have so the, the cost is so high. The cost is high, not just in terms of all the people that don't make it but it's also high in terms of all of the physical and psychological damage that comes with that. We were talking the other day about Jim Brown and what a great man Jim Brown was. And I just admire Jim Brown extensively. But if I were to be honest about Jim Brown, you would notice that Jim Brown had a lot of incidents later in his life where he was uh, accused of being abusive toward women. Uh, you know, p- Allegedly punching a lady out and all this other stuff that he a few several times. Well, one thing my wife brought up that I agree with is she said, well, you know, he took a lot of hits to the head. Jim Brown took pride in the fact that unlike Franco Harris, who almost broke his record, Franco Harris, when he was about to take a hit, he would run out of bounds. Jim Brown criticized him because he said, when I played, I didn't run out of bounds. I, w- I would take, I would go I would go hit right at the, po- the opponent and fight for every yard. Well, think about that. Every time he ducked that head, remember the helmets weren't that good back then. He would duck that head and take that hit to the head. So Jim Brown probably had tremendous amounts of brain damage. You can't be the NFL's leading rusher of all time and not have some type of CTE in your head. Seriously, if 99% of the NFL players have CTE, that's the estimate I saw from the doctor who discovered CTE. He was was a black man. Will Smith played him in a movie. If 99% of the NFL players have CTE and the majority of college football players have CTE, don't you think that the leading rusher in the history of the NFL would probably have some brain damage too. Or am I just stretching or am I am I just being a hater right now? You know, so so I, I really think that, you know, this sports and entertainment route, uh, I don't know if it's benefited the black community more than it's cost us. I, I can't tell. I'm not sure. You know, for every one black millionaire that we see, uh, you know, in the NBA, there's probably like a thousand other guys who didn't get that opportunity who are in a, terrible situations because all that time spent on the basketball court could have been spent in the classroom instead of uh, a lot of our kids trying to be the next Whitney Houston or the next 50 cent how many of those kids are trying to be the next Clive Davis or is that or is that me just acting white by suggesting that because I'm going to also suggest this let's pay attention now Whitney came and she conquered and she did a great job she was amazing and then she died she died uh, too young, uh, she died from a drug overdose. Uh, she died in uh, less than honorable or less than favorable circumstances. Just being honest about that. Well, let me ask you this: When Whitney Houston died, did Clive Davis stop making money? When was Whitney was Whitney Houston, Clive Davis's only billion dollar entertainer, billion dollar performer? Was is, is Clyde is Clyde still going to be okay financially, even though Whitney was gone? Yes or no? He's absolutely fine, because uh, Clive Davis had a ton of artists that were making money for him. He had he has a ton of business interests that are making money for him. He probably owns percentages of companies like Spotify and and Apple Music, and he. he I don't know. I don't know if he's. I think he's still alive. I, I'm not sure. I I know so. I, I only I know one person that knows uh, Clive Davis. And his name is Kenny Gamble out in Philadelphia. He's a good friend of mine. And I I honor. I respect him so much. Um, but really, so my point is to say that I get it. I understand why we might want our child to be the next Whitney Houston, but honestly, it's much easier to become the next Clive Davis than it is to become the next Whitney Houston. You can for every one Whitney Houston your community can produce you could produce probably about a thousand Clive Davises who are you know graduating from law school, taking ownership in a company, investing in assets, and understand how to run a company. Again, not putting one above the other, but I think that we might want to rethink how we view the wealth journey. Okay. All right. So uh do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. By the way, this podcast is also on Spotify. Uh, if you look up Boyce Watkins on Spotify, you'll find it. Uh, also, the All Black National Convention is going to be October 20th in Atlanta at the Marriott Marquis Hotel. So if you'd like to join us uh, at the All Black National Convention, uh, just go to allblacknationalconvention.com. That's allblacknationalconvention.com. Or you can just go to my website, boyswalkins.com I put some information there too. All right. So a few more comments about my book. My book is called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. And I started off reading some of the comments that I hadn't seen, just reading them out loud to respond to them. But Uh, but but uh we got into some other things. But let me finish going. Uh let's see here. Dennis says, Excellent book, easy to discuss, uh, with family and friends. Legacy became a tradition or becomes a tradition. Uh Eric says, Highly recommended read. I had to have this book. I enjoy Dr. Boyce's content on YouTube, also. Highly recommended read. B1 is the model. Uh B1 to you too. Uh Elaine says, Boy, I have been sleep now. Just buy the book and you won't be disappointed. Okay, cool. Um, Let's see here. Another one. Miss D says, Nothing we don't already know. If you can read or listen to podcasts, it takes money to make money, make wise decisions. Try all these suggestions uh, in this book while working paycheck to paycheck. Okay. Um, Let's see. Jazzy Mom says, This book is a written blueprint for modern day African Americans. This book and Dr. Boyce's techniques have played an intricate role in reshaping my mindset. Uh, Someone else says, Dr. Boyce is the greatest economic mind this century. Dr. Boyce's work should be studied for at least 100 years to come. One of the best ways to show love to your family is to show them how to survive economically, which he does in detail during each chapter. Be one for life. Wow, thank you. Those are very kind words. Uh, Sorrell says, I thoroughly enjoyed this book. A lot of gems here. I would definitely recommend it to family and friends. Stargate says, the book spells out a very simple and organized way to attain wealth. Change your mindset and you will find change and dollars uh, in your generational wealth. I wish this were an audio book as well to listen to while stuck in traffic. At some point I'll make it an audio book. Uh, honestly, writing a book takes a long time um, and, and I'm super busy, but but it is something that I've heard before. And I, I think I'll, I'll do that probably within the next year and a half or so. Uh, let's see here. Someone says uh, the book, uh, 10 commandments of black economic power is a reality check for entrepreneurs that want to make an impact in their family and community. Camilla Pierce says, I want to start this review by saying I'm truly appreciative of, To Dr. Boyce Watkins for sharing his knowledge, I am so thankful for this book. It's a game changer for my life. Uh, The Ten Commandments captures and motivates you. Although the author is a financial master, his delivery in this book is very comprehensible. As a result of this book, my thought process has changed forever. I've told several family members about the book. Uh, This book right here, I highly recommend. So, if you want to go look at the reviews, I didn't read. I read, you know, the first ten or fifteen that were up there. But if you want to read more of the reviews, just look up the Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power on Amazon. And uh, and really, I really just want you to look at the reviews. There's nothing that I would ever tell you guys about. I mean, obviously, your support on every level for the black business school and everything else is really important. Because we don't take money from corporations, we don't take money from the government. Uh, so you'll never hear black Black Liberation brought to you by Walmart. That's not something that I believe in, uh, because I don't think it works. Uh, I think freedom. But but then again, the problem is that freedom is not free. Uh, and so uh, so while some people make fun of me for having to raise money for the Black Business School or talk about money or everything can't be free, we have to do it because I want to build this institution and I want it to be independent. I don't want anybody telling us what to do. I don't want anybody undermining this message. Uh, I would die for this message because I believe in it that much. I know that this stuff works. And so whatever you do, wherever you get your, you know, your, your, your process from, um, I just encourage you to understand that when you are black, in my view, you have to think differently. You cannot follow the pathway that was set for you at birth. That is not a pathway. You were not designed in this society uh, to be uh, empowered, free, liberated—none of that stuff. Uh, empowered, free, liberated people are not good for the economy, right? If you have ten million people or hundred million people that are financially literate, then that means the banks stop making money. Uh, that because they're not—they're not, they're not going to be able to charge you those fees you, you get for uh, you know mistakes you make in your bank account. That means corporations don't make money because they can't convince you as easily to come work for them. To build wealth for their families, Uh, and so what I would say to you is that you're going to have to come up with this on your own. And I believe every family should have its own curriculum for almost everything, but especially for economics. And uh, that curriculum should center around the three pillars of wealth: stock market investing, real estate investing, owning your own business. If you focus on those three things, as well as other a few other nitpick issues here and there, then you're going to be fine. Like all this talk that you hear constantly, uh, this this disempowered talk, this victim talk that you constantly get inundated with, that being black is terrible and there's no way you can fix it and all that. I think that's designed to um, make sure that you are uh, that you're dependent on other people, right, because there are people who benefit financially and politically by keeping you in that victim box, because if you need them, then you're going to give what you can. You're going to give them money. You're going to give them votes. You're going to give them whatever in order for you uh, to survive. Because you don't believe you can do it yourself. If I, if, if I, if I'm convinced that I can't get myself from point A to point B, then I have to ask you for a ride, right? If I'm convinced that I have no legs, then I have to ask you to give me a wheelchair. And uh, and I don't think you have to do that. I think racism. Yes. Structural racism is a real thing. But the racism in the form that people talk about it is 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 it's just yapping. It's just people talking. You know, uh, most black people I know who fortify their families, make good decisions, put themselves in a strong economic position. Not only are they free, but they are in many cases actually telling white people what to do. You know, and, and this is not just a new phenomenon. You can go back 40, 50 years and you had some super empowered black people who was not walking around constantly fearing whatever the white man was going to do next. You know, and that's the tradition that gets lost because they want to put you in that victim box. And I'm, and I'm not interested in that. I don't think that's how you succeed in this society. All right. So anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here. Uh, please uh, hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. And again, you can go to Spotify and look up my name and you'll find this podcast on Spotify. Uh, and if you go to boyswalkins.com, there's some stuff there, financial flashcards for kids, or uh, you can find information about the convention or also the book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power is available on Amazon. So thank you guys for listening. God bless you. And uh, by the way, tonight on Dr. Boyce TV, I'm going to bring in this woman I've known for a long time, Dr. Mary Stoddard, who uh, her and her husband, her husband's a black cardiologist. And Mary was raised as a sharecropper, literally with 11 siblings, I believe. And they were super dirt poor, but they got all their kids through college by one child helping the other. It's an amazing story, but here's the other cool thing. Every single one of Mary's kids is a medical doctor or a PhD. She has like five kids, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe, and I got to double check, every single one of her kids is a doc MD or a PhD. Every single one of them. And then even before that, the generation earlier, 11 kids, all sharecroppers, all finished college because they had a model, they had a plan. So I want to bring Mary on today because this is the stuff we need to learn. These people need to be our professors. These are the ones who can teach you how to succeed despite what you whatever the rest of the world says and thinks. Um, her name is Mary Stoddard and uh, and she's not a famous person but she should be and her husband should be famous too uh, because this is something that they did despite all the you know like oh racism, this racisms the reason I don't take care of my kids and all this other nonsense they just grew up on uh, this concept that is politically problematic for some people but I love it it's called personal responsibility. it's called accountability. They didn't sit around making excuses. They solved problems. They solved problems. So anyway, so Mary Stoddard, S-T-O-D-D-A-R-D. That's who's going to be my guest tonight. And I reached out to Mary because I wanted to know how Mary did it for all the parents out here that are not looking for excuses, but are looking for results. So uh, that'll be on tonight on DrBoysTV.com. So I'll let you guys know. I'll send you an alert when when it happens. All right. Have a good day, everybody. God bless you. Please hit the thumbs up button on your way out. I will see you all soon. Take care now. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power. Never be fake. Stick to co I for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs. Support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten, three PhDs. Now we on the CNN, DBTV, Let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we, we can, can turn it to intelligence. intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down. Here on Dr. voice TV. Here we are.